0: Hello and welcome to the Hoopstradamus podcast. Adam we're here, joined once again by the man, the myth, the legend the blue sports beverage enthusiast, Dr. Kirk Schroeder. How are you doing?
1: Uh, not too bad, foo. We got a uh, fire in town today, so I'm gonna put my work phone on silent so I don't get called over to that. But uh, yeah, to quickly piggyback off that, cool blue Gatorade plus two multivitamins and some liquid IV the night after drinking, gonna cure you for the following morning. Promise. What is Liquid IV? Is this powder? I got it at Costco. And okay, basically Costco it's this, always uh, has good stuff. You know, you can get them in, what is it? Tangerine, lemon, strawberry. It's this powder that you put into any sort of drink. And uh, it says that it's basically like three for one on your hydration. So you put it into one bottle of water, you'll get basically three bottles of water out of it in terms of the hydration needs wow it's worked for me yeah it tastes terrible but it's good i mean it gets rid of your hangover the next morning or prevents it i should say
0: see that's the kind of honesty we need in advertising someone just like instead of like them choking it down like it's good (laughs) it's like tastes awful really hate it gets the job done you know know what to expect exactly we gotta get. Uh, yes,
1: I have been told too that I picked the wrong flavor. I have a pack of strawberry ones. I guess you're supposed to go tangerine, and mix it with, uh, you know, some sort of orange flavored Gatorade or uh, maybe some orange juice even.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, orange juice can cut just about anything. So, I I believe it. I believe it. Uh, speaking of fires, a lot of fires in the NBA today. Uh, let's start. Uh, you're in. What Pacific time? Yes. So, what time was it for you when the Kauai news hit? Because for me, it was about 8 a.m. Central. So, what, like 6 a.m.?
1: Yeah. I mean, I obviously would have been in bed, but definitely woke up to it. One of the first things I saw on Twitter.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, it's ironic. We recorded this show a few days ago and, uh, the complexion of that series has changed drastically uh, Clippers jazz. And now once again, it has changed drastically. <laughs> and so here we are uh, again. And that's, that's just like how things can go in the playoffs. Cause instead of talking about how the Clippers might win the series, now it's like, are they screwed without Kawhi? Um, I immediately, I jumped on – I beat the the betting – sports betting app I use to the punch. I'm like, all right, this line is about to just change significantly. And sure enough, it went from a minus 130 to 265. So I just threw some money quick on the Jazz before that changed. Uh, Right now, it's about 8.30 central time. And uh, we're keeping an eye on this Hawks-Sixers game. But – the jazz Clippers hasn't started yet. And so by the time you're listening to this, you'll know who won, but I'm, I'm very confident that the jazz win because it's at home. And because uh, I feel like you're really taking the heart, the beating heart uh, like Indiana Jones style out of the Clippers with this injury, this is their best scorer. This is, their best defender. I would honestly say their best playmaker besides besides Rondo, but Rondo's kind of an ill fit there. It's weird. You're not getting the same uh Rondo, playoff Rondo that we're used to. And he doesn't seem to have the reins that he has had historically. And so you take away your jack-of-all-trades and I don't even... I guess this team's really going to run through Reggie Jackson and Paul George. And if I'm a Clippers fan, that terrifies me.
1: Yeah. I have a couple of points I want to jump off on. So I believe when I woke up this morning, the line was Jazz by two and a half. The ESPN app now has Jazz by eight and that's since the Kawhi Leonard news. Um, so a substantial jump at the betting line for sure. Um, yeah. Kawhi Leonard not going to be able to play today with that uh, knee sprain, but they also had, an update from Shams, which, like, if you're anyone who's interested in basketball, Shams and Woj believe everything they say. Have not led us astray at any point, I feel like. Um, so Shams also said that there is an ACL injury along with that sprained knee. Not an ACL tear, but definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. And one of the things that I look at just overall with his playoff performance so far in 11 postseason games for Kawhi Leonard, 57 pursuing. Uh, percent shooting from the floor 30 points a game and eight boards so that is a substantial uh, miss that the Clippers are going to have to deal with and as you mentioned you're going to have to run through a guy like Paul George who is certainly capable of shouldering a heavier workload maybe Reggie Jackson who's actually performed a lot better than I thought he would but one of the things that I want to look at too is you go with Zubat's off the bench and insert him back into the starting lineup to kind of match size and size with Gobert? Or do you go with like a more athletic wing like Terrence Mann, who played in nine games when Kawhi Leonard was injured in April and uh, filled in pretty well there. Of the 11 games in April, so the nine that Kawhi missed with an injury, plus the two games where he was back, Mann scored in five of those 11 games in double figures. So a guy who kind of has a lot of skill, but really hasn't had the uh the stage where you know he'll need to perform at a high level and maybe he gets that opportunity it's gonna be interesting to see what lineup Ty Lue throws out there tonight
0: yeah there's definitely a lot of different things they can do i mean I, i've really enjoyed the renaissance of batum he's always been a nice piece and healthy and even finished on that alley-oop the other day so it, it'll be interesting i think uh the guys who will benefit this just from a pure sports betting aspect is Marcus Morris. Is it Marcus or they have Markeef?
1: They have the better one. They have Marcus.
0: Okay. There we go. That's what I thought. Yeah. So Marcus Morris, um, I think he should get some good numbers. Reggie Jackson, I expect to be around 20 points. We're going to see with playoff P as they call him, right?
1: Yeah, no more pandemic, P.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, he just seems to be under a microscope all the time. And this is the biggest microscope. And I think we alluded to it on the show the other day, but people forget that this guy's leg snapped off, you know? And (laughs) it's amazing that he's still playing at an all-star level and was in uh, MVP consideration Uh, not that long ago but this is his chance this is such a huge moment in his legacy and as you look across the NBA right now I think that's a huge theme right now you look at what Kevin Durant did the other night you know that's going to be a game that when people make a case for Kevin Durant is one of the all-time greats they're going to be like do you remember when Kevin Durant had 49 points and 15 rebounds and played all 48 minutes and you know carried the net's in the fourth quarter against a Bucks team. And this is Paul George's opportunity now where if Paul George does something crazy tonight, and do you remember when Paul George led the, uh, you know, Clippers to a huge victory, even though they were eight point underdogs and Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, hurt his knee. And so this is his chance. It, it, it really does come down to some of these like narratives Whether it's fair or not, that's what the fans talk about. And so this is a huge moment for him. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to rise to the occasion. Well, if you look at
1: the stat lines for the playoffs so far, Paul George averaging around 25 points a game. So he's been there. He's shown up so far. But at the same time, you're going to need a lot more than 25 from Paul George if you're going to be without Kawhi Leonard. And one of the things that I think is interesting about his playoff performance so far is in those 11 games, Paul George shooting 40% from the field, which isn't great, but 44% from three. Huh. So he has been able to knock down the triple and is scoring at 25 points a game. So hopefully, if you're a Clippers fan, you want to see him get those scoring averages up above 25 without Kawhi Leonard. And then you also hopefully see that three-point percentage stick around 44%, because that's an insane number.
0: Yeah, 44%. I mean, that's all-time great. I think Joe Harris led the league at 44%, and the best shooting seasons ever are like, or or statistically, uh, the best career percentage all-time is like 45 with Steve Kerr. And so, yeah, that's obnoxious, obnoxious numbers. And so it'll be interesting. Do you think that the Clippers have a chance in this series still, or do you think this is kind of the kiss of death um, I guess we don't have a ton of information uh, on on the injury with Kawhi Leonard yet, but assuming he's not able to return to the series, is this the kiss of death?
1: Assuming he can't return, I think so. Um, he's yeah. out for tonight's game, game five. But when you hear a knee sprain and you hear something along with the ACL as well, as, as well, that does not fare well for the Clippers, especially too, because it's kind of like we talked about with the Nets and the Bucks a couple of days ago the Jazz are still a really good team. So it's not like things came easy when they were when the Clippers were fully healthy. And then you get rid of their best player, a top five player in the league in Kawhi Leonard, things just get that much more difficult, especially with two of the next three games, if it does go to a game seven in Utah.
0: Yeah, and Utah is a really difficult place to play no matter what. And the storyline of that series so far has been home court advantage. The home team has really kind of dominated every single game and full disclosure. I went to bed, you know, I, I work early mornings. I went to bed halfway through the second quarter of game four. It was over. Was going to watch the recap in the morning. I'm, you know, if, if it's a good game, I'm willing to go on, you know, five hours of sleep the next day. If it's an ass whooping, Fu's gonna get his snooze, all right. Fu's gonna catch some Z's. <laughs> so it wasn't even worth watching. Uh, do you know was like was there a specific moment when it happened in the game or?
1: Yeah, I did watch that play, and I believe it came out on a foul from Joe Ingles. But it was kind of a weird one where like Kawhi gets hit, and then he just kind of hobbles off to the side. So I, I didn't look at like a close-up replay at all. I, all I saw was like the regular. Uh, you wouldn't call it like the sky cam, but that wide angle shot from one yeah. guy's the ball up the court. Um, they just showed the, uh, the original angle from there. I didn't, like I said, didn't see any cutaways, didn't see any close ups, but it just looked like he kind of hobbled off and looked uncomfortable and he left. So it's, you know, who knows? That could be one of those things where, okay, it's just a, a slight tweak. You give him a day off and then, you know, see what he can do the next day and shoot around or whatever. Or it could be one of those things where sometimes the worst injuries are the ones that are non-contact. You just, you you tweak it. And uh, uh, like I said, not a ton of information out there right now, but out for game five, um, we'll we'll see what happens down the road, but certainly not encouraging, especially this late in the series. There's not a whole lot of games to be played left.
0: Yeah. And they are all extremely meaningful. Yeah. yeah, and if it's the, the best road of three now. It, it 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 seems like it's just getting a little too easy for the Jazz, who have been my pick to come out of the West for a while. But like, and then Chris Paul, <laughs> like COVID protocol. I thought we were done with those two words, but oh man, it's so frustrating because it's just. It's so in line with Chris Paul's playoff career. Like he's awesome. He's helping his team do amazing things. He helped his team all season. He helped his team get there. Uh, He's having like these 15 and 15 games. And then, you know, there's been the times like he slipped on the floor. He he did something weird. Like he, he got tweaked. This time it's the global pandemic strikes again. Even though he's vaccinated, he's been exposed. And I, I don't know when we get Chris Paul back now. And if Utah has to face the Kawhi Leonardless Clippers and then a Chris Paulless Phoenix Suns, I, I want a damn refund on the Western Conference playoffs. Cause this is just, this is just bullshit.
1: Yeah, you definitely think back a few seasons ago when everything's going right for Chris Paul and the Rockets, then he gets hurt again, and then the Warriors win game six and game seven when, you know, maybe the Warriors win that regardless, but still, you know, everything is kind of trending upward for the Rockets, and it really does suck, especially too, because Chris Paul's looking to go to the NBA Finals. I believe his only other conference finals appearance came when he was with the uh, Rockets a few seasons ago. But I think one of the things that's so unfortunate about this is, I mean, first of all, the uh, vaccination is shorter for people with vaccinations. So from what I understand, reading another Shams report, of course, um, they're gonna reevaluate his situation on Saturday. Okay. And so if you're the Suns, all you can hope for is that this Clippers Jazz Series goes seven. Yeah, so you can buy yourself as much time as possible. Maybe Chris Paul gets out of quarantine or whatever the, the protocol is nowadays with everyone being vaccinated. And shoot, we're a year and what three months in the pandemic. I didn't know that there were still new cases of COVID out there. Yeah. But Chris Paul was also playing extremely high level basketball, like not just for Chris Paul standards, but Chris Paul in that series against Denver. 41 assists to five turnovers, averaged 25.5 points a game, shot 63% from the field. I mean, these are just unreal numbers. And I know that it was a four game series, but to me, four games out of seven, you know, possible in a series, that's a good enough sample size to know that a guy is playing well and just playing some unworldly basketball. And I will throw this in here, Foo. maybe you don't appreciate this, but. Who would have thought that Cameron Payne would be playing well? So, it, you know, it's, it's not like they're just sliding in a guy who's unproven and you don't know what you're going to get. Oddly enough, Cameron Payne is gone with the, uh, the handshakes at the bench with Russell Westbrook. and He's actually being a contributor. I did not see this coming, but played really well against the Lakers. And yeah. uh, who knows? I know there's going to be a substantial drop-off between Chris Paul and Cameron Payne, but I, I don't want to say that the Suns are totally screwed.
0: I mean, there's going to be a massive drop-off. It's going to be Cameron painful for Suns fans. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was was just too easy. No, I got to give him respect. Uh, My grudge on Cameron Payne is, you know, I'm a a Bulls fan. I can't even remember what trade he was involved in. But every time he was on the floor, I'm like, send this guy to China. (laughs) Like, get him away. Get him off this team immediately and they'd be like oh no he's good i'm like no he's not he sucks <laughs> like <laughs> you can't hit the rim like uh he's uh, he's looking like me at the rec center and um clearly he's fixed something and monty williams deserves a, a ton of credit giving him the uh tom Thibodeau treatment where you just find this point guard that everyone's given up on and uh, turn him into a really important player. Luckily for Phoenix, they will still have uh, Devin Booker, who's also been playing some of the best basketball of his career, and so it's not like they're going to be um, in too much uh, dire straits. It's not like, for example, even though it's a serious blow, it's not like it's not equivalent to the Clippers losing. Kawhi Leonard, but I think what you said was the most appropriate that if you are a Phoenix Suns fan right now, you're hoping that Clippers jazz goes to seven and that Chris Paul's able to play as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the the protocol is nowadays, but from what I understood before, I believe it was like 10 to 14 days of limited contact or no contact. So that would put him back. If the, the winner of Clippers jazz, uh, you know, plays Phoenix to six or seven games, maybe he comes back later on in that uh, in that series. But again, uh, update to come on Saturday. So who knows what we're actually going to find down the road. Um, and I don't know how much relevance the point I'm about to make is going to have, but, the Suns were without Chris Paul last year. Granted, it was the bubble. Granted, they didn't make it into the playoffs. But they have been playing some good basketball basically over the past year or so. Yeah. Um, you know, when they got into the bubble, kind of about this time last year, uh, the Suns have definitely been trending upward. So this, I can't say core group because, you know, Booker was there and Bridges was there, Aiton was there. They did add a good piece in Jay Crowder. Uh, Chris Paul was obviously new. So it's not the same Phoenix Suns team, but they do have experience playing some playoff like basketball without Chris Paul. I don't know how effective, you know, they're going to be without him. I don't know how much that even plays into the next series, but it, I guess I wouldn't say that it's total doom and gloom for Suns fans. You still have some time before the next series even starts. You can still maybe get him healthy, maybe out of this quarantine social distance period and you have some decent pieces behind him and some experience playing without Chris Paul in kind of a similar situation. So I, I would still give Phoenix a shot, but obviously this is a crushing blow to them because Chris Paul seems to have like the LeBron effect. Everywhere he goes, his team just gets better.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with the point you made. They're really a good team. Chris Paul helped bring them to... different level, made them more efficient on both ends of the floor. Such a key veteran for the team. And it's Chris Paul. He's, you know, arguably a top five point guard of all time for a lot of people. uh, They think he's like the best point guard of all time. I think that's a little far-fetched, but he's certainly up there for me. But the Suns team is really good and very well-constructed. And uh, Whether it is uh, Mikel Bridges, or Devin Booker or uh, Jay Crowder who in Jay Crowder, someone who makes everyone around him better, you know? And um, I honestly think DeAndre Ayton's maybe the most underrated player in the league. It's not like he has some massive role, but he has to get a lot of his own buckets. It's not like they're drawing up a ton of stuff for him. And there's a lot of really good big men in the NBA and, we don't really talk about DeAndre Ayton that much. But he's somebody who can give you twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, he's stepping out, and he's also extending his, uh, his shot. So I know he doesn't shoot a high percentage from three, but I, I think that he's trending up in that direction for sure. So not a guy that you can just stick in the paint and get second-chance points, or like you said, do a, like a Houston Rockets, James Harden, Chris Paul, pick and roll with uh, Clint Capella, where everything is a lob at the rim. No, he's definitely got a more established game than that.
0: Yeah. And he's only 22 years old. And so, if he does develop that three point shot eventually, that's going to be pretty amazing. He really doesn't take a ton. But, uh, you know, you see, like you said, you kind of see him extend that mid range. And um, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, Anyway, let's move into some of these uh, all NBA teams because that was announced today. And as we said before we started the podcast, there's not too many changes I would make. Uh, I don't know if I would make any, frankly. I saw some people complaining, but, you know, the Internet's always going to have complainers. But I wouldn't change anything on the all NBA first team uh Giannis he was on every single person's ballot for first team he was the only player uh Kawhi Leonard who I think you have to pick over LeBron James LeBron James missed a lot of time uh so I I, that goes into consideration for me Stephen Curry had an MVP like season Luka Doncic uh was phenomenal all year And he was the MVP favorite going into the season. And then, of course, the MVP himself, Nikola Jokic, who is out uh, riding around in a chariot right now, pulled by a horse. Did you see that picture?
1: I did not. All I saw were his brothers getting mad on the uh, not, not quite court side, but I did see that video.
0: Yeah, he literally was getting pulled around by a horse today. So that's our MVP, folks.
1: Hey, why not?
0: Go back to Serbia, maybe crack a few cold ones and uh, hit the horse carriages. I I learned the official name. I got to pull it up on my cell phone here. Uh, Shout out to Jeff. Jeff is uh, my cousin's husband. Jeff's a great guy. And uh, he sent me the picture this morning of Jokic. And um, this is this. Oh, you can't even see because my uh, background. Well, I was trying to show you. But yeah, it's, it's Jokic on this little uh, horse thing. If you Google it, folks, you'll be able to find it. But it's called the Hippodrome. And so uh, he, he texts me, goat lands, go straight to the Hippodrome, LOL. And it's Jokic in some basketball shorts, a backwards hat, getting pulled around by a horse on what looks like a uh, one of those bicycle carriages that's for small children. But apparently it's for a seven-foot man so uh the only
1: thing the only thing cooler than that would be to actually ride a hippo while flying a drone
0: (laughs) i mean we'll see we'll see maybe joel Embiid tries to do that next year he's definitely going to want to outdo Jokic. he's still pissed he didn't win that mvp so it's gonna it's gonna escalate it always does
1: I do think the one thing that was interesting about the All NBA teams—and correct me if I'm wrong—Russell Westbrook not making any of the three, despite averaging another triple double, and it just it just shows like when he won that MVP, what was that four seasons ago, <laughs> five seasons ago, that it was something that we had never seen, uh, you know, averaging a triple double for an entire season, and now because he's done it four out of the last five years, the accomplishment just continues to get watered down and it's still an absolutely incredible feat but it's just funny that like the public perception is okay this is just what russell westbrook does now we're just going to keep upping the ante upping the ante and it it doesn't seem to matter anymore when it's just an incredible feat i think if anyone else averaged a triple double for a season they'll get far more praise
0: i think it's a very interesting situation there uh if the season, if, if it was like the second half of the season awards, I think he makes some teams. The Wizards got off to a horrendous start. Westbrook had a phenomenal uh, finish to the year. I don't think he's deserving of that kind of recognition. It's incredible. Like, it's incredible, but like the the russell westbrook stat line would be you know 19 points on three of 20 shooting you know <laughs> like misses some really big free throws 17 assists 20 rebounds <laughs> and you're like what the, what the wow how, how is turnovers. this happening you know but like that shooting's bad. (laughs) Well, I think the
1: thing with, with these all NBA teams too, and this goes for all-star selections and all sorts of stuff is it's not about who's deserving. It's more about who would you take off? Because there's definitely going to be more people who are deserving of being in those spots and they have spots for, but if you can, but can you find an upgrade? And a lot of times you can't. And in my opinion with these teams this year, I couldn't find one. I mean, you look at Jason Tatum averaging like 26 a game, uh, playing extremely well, upping his shooting percentage as well. But you look at the the rest of the forwards and you're just like, he wasn't better than them.
0: Yeah. So I think you can make a, a case for Jimmy or him replacing Jimmy Butler on the third team, or maybe Paul George on the third team. Tatum really had a, he had some signature moments. And I think with him, unfortunately, like I was saying earlier, everything's about narratives. And the narrative is that the Celtics underwhelmed. Sure. That's not his fault. It's maybe everyone else's fault.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's got to shoulder a little bit of the blame. He didn't shoot a great percentage early on, but you're right. I mean, he was definitely the uh, last person you would blame on that team.
0: Yeah. I mean, that Spurs game. Just watching that live, that was a uh, one of those games where you'll never look at a player the same way when you see what they're yeah, capable I mean,
1: of. When he got 50 against the Wizards in that playing game, uh, he had a game-winning three off the window against the Bucks in the regular season. No, he's definitely like risen to the occasion.
0: Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Jimmy Butler had a great year and – He's someone much like Russell Westbrook. Everything's going to go through him, but I think that he's a more winning player. He might not get the triple double, but he's going to flirt with it, and his team's going to be better. But it's okay if Bam Adebayo runs the floor. You know, like it's okay if Goran Dragic does some stuff with Westbrook. It's like. When he's on the floor, it's especially because he's such a bad shooter, it creates this strange dynamic where he almost has to do everything for you. And that hurts your team sometimes. Especially if he's having one of his signature horrendous shooting nights. Now I'm just being a troll. <laughs> I'm just being a troll. Oh, I'm gonna go. How
1: smart of a basketball player Russell Westbrook is, though. It is funny that he takes so many like ill-advised threes and so many just you know, when he runs down the floor and he just pulls up from like a deep two when his team doesn't need it, it, he definitely does have some head scratching moments for sure.
0: It's like he's so excited and that's what makes him special. But you live and die by the sword with Russell Westbrook. It's like his heroic flaw. You know, he's going to play his heart out, but he's going to wear his heart on his sleeve and sometimes he's going to do some stupid stuff. Um. Sometimes he's not going to keep his emotions in check. It's a shame we never got to see him and Draymond Green on the same team.
1: Oh, that'd be chaos.
0: Complete. Um, yeah, so the, the All-NBA second team was Embiid, Lillard, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Julius Randle. I have no issues with that. It's cool to see New York Nick on there. Yeah. Um, It's just weird. Julius Randle was so painfully bad in the playoffs. And so it kind of like tarnishes my perception of him. Like I think about the shitty playoffs instead of the amazing regular season.
1: Most improved player though. And what was so interesting, I I think about that playoff run with the Knicks is just how excited everyone was that one, the Knicks made the playoffs and two, that they won a game but the Knicks still have a long way to go. And I don't know if Julius Randle is the guy that can carry you deep into the playoffs, if he's your best option.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to use the word exposed. Like that, that whole team got exposed. In Thibodeau fashion, really good regular season team, but then just didn't have the horses to compete with an Atlanta team that a lot of people kind of slept on going into the playoffs because they took a while to kind of turn it around, but you know, they got there for a reason. They finished one of the better teams in the NBA. And when you just look at on paper, the Hawks are way better than the Knicks, all the scores they have and everything. And um, I did expect that to be a better series though. That, that was maybe the biggest. I actually had a Knicks winning that in seven. I think that was the biggest disappointment for me uh, in the Eastern conference playoffs. Like that was just a really bad series.
1: Well, the Knicks were the top defensive team in the league in the regular season. Yeah. So I thought they were going to win that series too, just because of how bad Atlanta is. But uh, yeah, I, I think both teams are, you know, a, a couple pieces away, a couple years away from actually making some serious noise. So maybe it just wasn't their time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Atlanta has a better chance of doing it by developing some of the guys they have, especially uh, DeAndre Hunter, I think could be pivotal. And then the Knicks, I think they have a real legit chance of landing some superstars, the benefit of the New York market and uh, becoming a cool team again. Someone might want to go to New York uh all nba third team uh jimmy butler paul george bradley beal uh kyrie irving and rudy gobert i I was happy to see rudy gobert on this list i feel like it's weird to call him underrated but he's underappreciated he's not underrated we know how good he is but we don't talk about it enough and just with that seven nine wingspan No one wants to go anywhere near him. He's really the scariest defender in the NBA uh, with that just ridiculous radius he has. So I was glad to see him get some love and especially uh, no members of the Utah Jazz on any of these besides him, which is really interesting for a team with the best record in the NBA.
1: Yeah, Mitchell is one of those guys that you could see as a snub as well. But again, you know, who would you put – or how, who would you take out to put Mitchell in? Um, aside from Gobert's defense, though, scariest part, he can start a pandemic.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Patient zero. Oh, there it is, Kurt. Uh, Joel Embiid just got his 12th rebound.
1: There you go. That's huge for Foo's bank account.
0: huge. Huge. I was sweating that one, sweating that one. I felt like it was a lock. Um, I, I'm having some uh, issues with my TNT account right now, but it looks like it's a really close game right now uh, 104.98. And we're uh, keeping an eye on this one live. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Are you keeping an eye on that one?
1: I wasn't. I just know at one point the Sixers were up as many as 21 um later in the third quarter so that's definitely an interesting development that the hawks were able to uh close the gap there but i did notice that the uh sixers were shooting 55 percent from the field 50 percent from three and the hawks were around 33 percent from the field so obviously something changed
0: yeah yeah and yeah. um not too much longer left on this episode and uh, then we'll get back to uh the knights basketball but we got to talk about a couple of coaches. There's just so much NBA news today. Uh, it's, it's like an, an emergency episode. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on these. Scott Brooks is out. He was on the hot seat a lot of the year. It sounds like they just couldn't, you know, come to an agreement. And um, I'm not surprised he's out. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, one of the things that did stand out to me in the five years he was in Washington, he was an under 500 coach. Um, so that's a large enough sample size and not a ton of success. Yeah. Um, I think Beale and Westbrook, the two stars on the team definitely had some good things to say about him. But at the same time, if you have that core of Westbrook and Beale, from what I understand, they are going to assign him sign Bradley Beale to an extension. Um, so if you can keep that two, those two pieces together um, and maybe just get a, a different voice in the locker room. I read that Wes Unsell Jr, Sam Cassell, Becky Hammond, Kenny Atkinson, and Mark Jackson are being looked at. Uh, That was reported by CBS Sports as potential options. But again, five years, in my opinion, that's enough. Under 500 ball, weren't really all that competitive, even though they kind of made some noise as being a team that started slow and then came back. Uh, Not surprising.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was kind of coaching for his job this year, and it just wasn't good enough. If they made some sort of miraculous run, that's great. I just hope that whoever they do choose, that they're able to maintain the pace of play that made them such a fun team this year. Because uh, Westbrook and Beal really were fun; they were must-watch. And so, whether it be you know Wes Unsell Jr., I think it'd be a really cool pick. Uh, or Becky Hammond or Mark Jackson. Uh, I think Mark Jackson, I want to see him get back in there. I think he was a good coach. I hope whoever that coach is doesn't try to slow things down too much because there's too much fun to be had. And Russell Westbrook, no one's going to – he's not going anywhere. He's getting paid a obnoxious amount of money to uh, go 3 of 19 from the field and get a triple double every night. So, uh, you know, know your role. Anyway, <laughs> um, the, the one that really did surprise me was just one year in, and I didn't think he did that bad of a job. SVG, no more. And it kind of feels like the end of his coaching career, unless someone else gives him a shot. But, like, he was out for a few years, and then – i i I don't know i I was i was surprised well
1: what i thought was interesting is first of all he did a great job as an analyst so if he goes back to being a a color guy i think that that is just a benefit to the people who watch basketball but uh one of the things that i read is that he kind of had like the brad stevens effect this year where he was kind of burned out from the covid year and from what i understood too reading another report by cbs sports Apparently, he had some pretty fractured relationships, uh, most notably with Brandon Ingram. So if you if you upset, pr- I mean, the team's best player, unless you are to say that Zion has a higher ceiling or is making faster progressions, whatever. But in my opinion, right now, the best player on the team is Brandon Ingram. And if you piss him off, uh, that's not going to fare well. Also, 31 of 41, 31 and 41, I should say, missed the play-in game by two games, which when you expand the field to 10 get, ten teams uh, per conference, to miss it by two, it, it seems close, but more teams are making or, I guess, having a chance to play in the playoff than ever before. Um, and then that's also the third straight season. I know that he wasn't the head coach um, those other two seasons, but third straight season and missing the playoffs. So. You know, maybe his style just didn't work anymore. I know he had a lot of success as the Magic head coach and the uh, Heat head coach in the mid-2000s and the late 2000s.
0: But even then, uh, with the Heat, you know, Pat Riley fires him for himself, and Shaquille O'Neal famously calls him a master of panic. And then you see, once again, having an issue uh, relating to players. But uh, go go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Just wanted to get that point in there. no.
1: For sure. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to to throw in there based off of the reporting that CBS Sports had, is they're looking at Teresa Weatherspoon, who is like a very vocal assistant coach and has, uh, you know, brings a lot of levity to situations. She's hilarious. So I think that that is someone who can relate well to players, especially a young core that's kind of been, you know, grooming uh, to, to be just better basketball players. And hopefully they're on the upswing here. But Jacques Vaughn and M.A. Udoka of the uh, Nets, their assistants are also in the mix, as well as Charles Lee. And a guy who seems to be an option for every freaking team, and I don't know why, Jason Kidd.
0: Yeah. Jeez. Who knows, Jason Kidd could be coaching
1: five teams at once next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, all all the Lonzo Ball-Jason Kidd comparisons – It'd be interesting to see what he could do to groom Lonzo if Lonzo does stick around. Um, I do want to point out just a few uh, interesting stats as far as uh, the Van Gundy firing goes. Some red flags, definitely. The Pelicans ranked 23rd in defensive rating, 25th in three-point attempts per game. And this is a time when, uh, obviously, teams are shooting a ton of threes and In my opinion, the best player for the Pelicans is Zion Williamson, who's not a three-point shooter. But I think that they could have done a better job getting more shots up, uh, especially when you look at how they used Dwight Howard and looking at the small ball era. They did a lot of point Zion. But I would like to have seen and I would like to see Zion used – similarly to the way Dwight Howard was used. Like he's not a shooter. Why not have him, instead of like having him trying to drive in through the perimeter, why not straight up put him at center, surround him with shooting and get out and run. And so I I think that they have some uh, potential for a very fun identity shift in their uh, but it was just surprising because that Orlando team was a team that did take t- so many threes. So it's weird. It's weird. Um, I don't know who the favorite would be. And it is perplexing that Jason Kidd is, uh, once again, it's like the basketball world just doesn't want to admit that like he's failed everywhere he's gone so far. Like They're like, oh, no, no. Jason is going to be a good coach. And then he's a bad coach. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. He's a genius. <laughs> like then he fails again in Milwaukee this time. And they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Jason Kidd, Great candidate. It's like, what is this guy done besides like spill a drink? <laughs> you know, like If you need your
1: player to scheme up a way for you to spill, uh, you know, something on the court to then, earn yourself a, uh, a timeout that you don't have you know call it cunning m- maybe or is it just <laughs> you're just so bad that you need that to gain an advantage in the first place it's straight um, out of an
0: adam sandler movie yeah <laughs> it's uh,
1: <laughs> not something that is sustainable in terms of uh, coaching elite level basketball
0: yeah but we'll see uh, you know, he, he likes to run. It would be interesting. Like I said, to see him with Lonzo ball. Um, Cause if there is someone who and, and Lonzo really started to come along, but if there's a player who might be able to kind of whisper into Lonzo's ear, it's a guy who has the same uh, play style and uh, body type and someone who really struggled as a shooter coming into his career and then developed that shot and turn into a really reliable three-point shooter down the years um so maybe maybe that would be fun uh i'm really hoping that mike d'antoni goes to portland and so let's put d'antoni in portland uh let's throw becky hammond in uh washington and then let's uh let's get Jason Kidd can prove once again that he's a bad coach this time in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's he he didn't have long tenures at his uh, his stops with Brooklyn and in Milwaukee, but he, he was didn't exactly give him, Yeah, I was gonna say he didn't exactly give him a, a reason to keep him around either. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? I mean, there's just look at any sport, really, there's going to be guys who are big names, who just don't really make that transition to coaching. And they kind of just keep getting opportunities, keep getting opportunities. And it is what it is. I mean, to be honest, I know he's had way more success than Jason kid, but you can throw Dan into that category where it's like, there seems to be a ceiling on the basketball philosophy of a Dan of a Jason kid so far. And is that good enough for you, for your owner? Maybe.
0: Yeah, I agree. People talk about Tony. Some people uh, talk about D'Antoni like he's the smartest basketball mind in the world. Weird that he hasn't ever gone to a finals. Like, well,
1: I, I don't know if it is weird. I think it's just <laughs> you get what you get with D'Antoni.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, we're going to find out if my, my certain friend listens to this show because I, I can already see the angry text messages coming in. <laughs> anyway, anyway, a lot of Tony supporters out there. Um, anything else you want to get on, Kurt?
1: Uh, I think quickly, just uh, Mellow Ball winning rookie of the oh year. Oh
0: my God, how did we forget? How did I forget? You didn't forget.
1: Uh. I, I don't know. I mean, this was a weird year. There weren't really great candidates to be honest with you. Um, I mean, he beat out uh, Tyrese Halliburton of Sacramento and Anthony Edwards, who in my opinion would have been the, the pick for me. Um, just looking at Mello led rookies and assists and steals. But I think the biggest thing was he only played in 51 of the 72. So he missed 21 games which in a COVID year, I mean, that's enough in a regular year, but especially in a COVID year um, when there were less games to begin with, I mean, that's a substantial amount of time. Uh, I think the surprising thing, two things stand out to me uh, with his play this year. One, he shot 35% from three, which isn't great, but given the stuff that we would see on House of Highlights and the stuff that he was taking overseas, I think 35% was uh, shockingly high for his shot selection and his form. And I think maybe this is what put him over the top, but the fact that he was able to lead the Hornets to the play in Um, the Hornets, in my opinion, were one of the worst teams entering the league uh, to start the season. And it's one of those things where without him, they're worse off, maybe not the worst team in the league, but with him, they're substantially better. Um, The one thing I did notice with Anthony Edwards, though, is he averaged 24 points a game after the all-star break. So maybe you know a little recency bias with me um but Anthony Edwards also played in every game so yeah,
0: yeah again
1: no one that really stood out in terms of being like the clear-cut favorite but at the same time um you know maybe this is just uh you know we're, we're throwing the ball family a bone here after the charades <laughs> that we've seen since 2016.
0: You know, I love to say I told you so, but I also play it both ways, man. I will admit when I'm wrong, and I I take a little pride in that because I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, see how genius I am? I can say, see how smart I am, but I can also say, see how stupid I am? And today, I'm going to say, see how dumb I was? I thought Flamelo Ball, I thought it was going to be a bust. Yeah, neither of
1: us thought that he was going to be that great. I mean, I mean, like his his, his
0: field goal percentage was horrendous. I didn't care what he did in the Kangaroo League. I didn't care what he did in Eastern Europe. That's great. You dunked on Kangaroo Jack, all right? What are you going to do against Joel Embiid? You know, what are you going to do uh, against uh, Clint Capella? Prove it to me, all right? Out there playing with a bunch of kangaroos and they got jumps they got jumps but he wound up shooting a really good three-point percentage um remarkable iq at times he did some very dumb things too and lamello ball is the kind of player where if you like cut up a highlight tape and show and let's actually take it a step further cut up a highlight tape edit it to be like kind of grainy 70s footage and show it to someone who's never seen LaMelo Ball and be like this is uh, Lorenzo Ball. LaMelo's too too modern. You know, maybe Lorenzo's Lawrence. This is Lawrence Ball. It's 1974 highlights. You could show it to the uneducated man and he'd be like this is the best basketball player I've I've ever seen in my life. Wow, this guy's incredible. Pistol Pete Maravich type stuff, you know, so aesthetically pleasing. But um, you could also make a hell of a blooper reel. (laughs) But you can't like just evaluate a player based on highlights. And I think that's what pissed me off so much going in. They're like, did you see what he did? I'm like, yeah, gets the kangaroo. Real cute. How's it going to look in the NBA? But he proved it to me. He was able to do some good things. I think he's going to wind up being a perennial all-star now. I've done a complete 180.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, my reservation with him, obviously the shot selection um, and the efficiency numbers, but to me, my reservation was the longevity and the maturity because, you know, it, the, the family as a whole seems to be you know they love themselves some balls and <laughs> I, I just think that you know okay he won rookie of the year does that get to his head to me with the balls it's just like can they stay grounded and level headed because his command of the offense is is incredible yeah. he definitely makes everyone else around him better you know let's let's be honest charlotte didn't have a ton of great pieces he was making miles bridges look like an all star um, he, he seemed to put everyone in the right spot. So I think if you're just looking at a guy who can command the offense and make smart plays down the road, as his basketball IQ continues to develop, right? Um, it could be exciting, but you definitely wonder, like, you know, is he going to take things seriously? Can he play high-level basketball for ten to fifteen years? Um, you know, will there be an off-the-court issue? Will Will there be some sort of motivational issue? that is my only reservation. Of course, that is going to be there his entire career, but for sure, he's, you know, blew me away this year. Um, My, I thought the best player in this draft was James Wiseman. Now, granted, he was also hurt for a lot of this year, but there definitely seemed to be some uh, young pieces out there that are better than we thought they would be.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, Anthony Edwards had a a few phenomenal games. It kind of took him a while to get going though. Uh, but I could see him maybe wind up being the better player. So it's going to be interesting. And I think it's also going to ignite a rivalry between the two for years to come. Uh, the league, we, we say this all the time, but the league's just in incredible, uh, shape as as far as the future goes. You know, I just thought of one more, uh, One more thing to touch on and let me pull this up so I can tell you exactly who said this today. Cause I shared it on the Hoopstradamus Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, what are you doing with your life? Okay. So Stephen A. Smith said this, Kevin Durant is the greatest basketball player to ever represent. should I say this? Like uh, Stephen A. Smith, actually backspace backspace. You're not, you're not loud enough
1: or fast enough.
0: Kevin Durant is the greatest basketball player ever to represent the city of New York in basketball. Was that good? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, What do you think? Is this true? Oh
1: man. It's, it, it goes back to the argument of like, you know, plug Kevin Durant or LeBron or Michael Jordan into any situation. And do they become the best you know individual talents the best um you know all-encompassing basketball resume and career and all that and and it's like yeah like is Kevin Durant the most talented basketball player to play for the Nets or the Knicks I would say so yeah I would say having said that having said that it's like but if you look at the the gravity of you know other players who played in New York you know like is Kevin Durant better than Patrick Ewing? Yes. Who are New Yorkers going to say, and I know it's a different franchise, but who would New Yorkers say is more New York basketball? Ewing. Kevin Durant or yeah. Patrick Ewing? It'd be Patrick Ewing. So or Like
0: it's, Walt Frazier or Willis Reed, you know, like some guys who've earned more clout there.
1: Sure. I, I know that, you know, maybe this is a little controversial, but, you know, John Starks had some tremendous years.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's extremely controversial.
1: So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to say that he's done more, uh, you know, in his career than Kevin Durant, but it's There's like, some you know, big KD, free throws. KD has been in Brooklyn for two years. He didn't play in one of them. So, yeah. yeah. You know, if we're talking individual skill level, absolutely. I'm on the record as saying Kevin Durant is the best, bas- best offensive basketball player we have ever seen. And I think that when his career is all said and done, you can easily put him like top ten, maybe even top five, depending on what sort of team accomplishments he comes up with. But he has no holes in his game. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. So, but Latrell Sprewell won to the took a team to the finals too. So I mean, yeah. like maybe need a little bit more on the resume. I,
1: yeah, I, I think it's very uh, like I like alluded to earlier a little bit of recency bias, like when. Stephen A. said a few days ago, what was it, last Friday, that uh, Donovan Mitchell is the greatest Utah Jazz player of all time. And you're like, on an individual skill level, sure.
0: But, but even you... then, it's like, dude, John Stockton is the best passer ever. <laughs> like... yeah.
1: And Karl Malone is number two in the history of the league in scoring. Yeah. So like it's what? it's it's one of those things where it's like, you might be right down the road, but like, give, give it a while before, at least for me, I'm going to give it some time before I make that sort of declaration. I, I need yeah. everyone's careers to have ended in terms of who we're talking about in the conversation and yeah. then assess from there.
0: Yeah. Or at least a bigger sample size. Like Mitchell is like, I don't think he's even in his mid 20s. What is he, 24? 24, Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's see what the guy's like when he's 28.
1: Yeah. Did average 26 a game, which is impressive, especially for a guy who's six to, but I, I think it is uh wildly premature to say, you know, that he's already better. As you mentioned, a guy who led the league in steals and assists and was a great defender and, you know, brought his team to the finals multiple times and a guy who averaged, uh, you know, or not average, but is number two all time in the league in scoring. Yeah. Uh, a little premature to put Mitchell ahead of Stockton and uh um, Carl Malone.
0: I am I did not realize Donovan Mitchell is whoa. I thought he was a lot taller than that. I'm even seeing 6-1. No, 6-2. Jeez. Yeah. That's in I already am extremely impressed by Donovan Mitchell but Wow. Wow.
1: He's got the kangaroos, as you would say.
0: He, he does. Got a lot of bounce. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe LaMelo can play against him in the offseason. Uh, closest thing to it. There's other – well, we don't want to go down. That's a slippery slope. Start saying who are the best kangaroos in the NBA. All of a sudden, this turns into a two-hour episode. Yeah. But there's time for that. Probably some good offseason content. Uh, Hami and I want to do a show where we do a power rankings of every team in the league purely based on uh, logos and mascots for example the Suns the Suns that's a pretty powerful thing planets revolve around them they can burn anything up that's a team that's high up in the power rankings Uh, who wins between magic and wizards I feel like magic right because, the wizard like, makes the, the magic. The wizards out. can wield magic. The magic are magic.
1: Who was who was their first? The Wizard of the Magic.
0: Ooh, now we're getting philosophical here. The magic, though. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kirk thanks so much for uh, hopping on for a very in-depth and fun uh, emergency podcast. We had to get one up. And I uh, appreciate you uh, getting into it with me, my friend. It's always good to talk to you. All right, folks, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. As always, if you like the uh, logo, check out Evan Buttress on Instagram, the Wax Cowboy. Slide in the DMs if you're looking to get some work done. Uh, we'll see you next time. Happy hooping.